0: times in the calendar year where we as a church aren't immersed in a sermon series. Most Sundays you can step foot here at Wellspring and find us in a lengthy series like For the Life of the World, The Jesus Way, Finding Jesus in Genesis, and so on. And so we're kind of in this awkward stage where we're in between sermon series right now. So when I approached Bob a couple weeks ago and I said, hey man, what do you want me to talk about on May 7th? He gave me a rare response. He just said, anything. I don't care. Anything. So the wheels started to spin. I tried to somehow come up with a message that could connect my excitement over the Chiefs NFL draft, but I fell short. Thought about how I could talk about Eric Berry battling cancer and winning and how Jesus is our healer, but that was just going to be stupid too. So I decided to take a different approach, hopefully one that's going to be a little more meaningful Uh, To every single one of you. And I want to talk about something today that's very close to my heart and how it has affected my life. In July of 2012, I preached my second sermon here at Wellspring on this topic. And so I decided that once every five years probably isn't a bad idea to talk about this. Today I want to talk about the battlefield of the mind. The battlefield of the mind. And some of you immediately recognize that title. It's a popular book written by a Christian author named Joyce Meyer. I'm not really diving into that necessarily. But it's a very common discussion and struggle for everyone, especially even Christians, honoring and loving God with our minds, with our thoughts. And so I'm friends with lots of people here who know that this has been my battle, and I have had numerous conversations with people here in this church, sitting in these pews, who struggle with allowing destructive thoughts to have control and power over their life. And so today I want to just simply share my story and remind us some of the freedom and the hope that is available to us in Christ in this battle. In case you didn't know, our minds are a very, very powerful part of our life that I think we often dismiss and I think we rarely Or even aware of how our thoughts impact the way that we connect with other people and the way that we view life, view relationships, and most importantly, view our creator. If you're someone that has daily thoughts of insecurity, feeling you're not good enough, you're not good enough to be loved, it's going to be a struggle for you to connect with another person. If you regularly have unrealistic thoughts of how your spouse should fulfill you, you are in for a big surprise. If you let thoughts from past hurts constantly fill your mind and allow bitterness to creep in, it's going to affect the way that you connect with another human. Take a moment to think right now about the thoughts that you let your mind be filled with every day. If we could put your thoughts, every thought that has crossed your mind that you've entertained over the last week up here on the screens, what would we as a church be able to say that you value? What would we be able to say that you believe? Would we be like, man, that dude is honoring God with their mind. They don't put up with lies. What would we say that you value? And I think one of the underlying reasons why this is such a struggle, especially for Christians, is because our thoughts are one of the few things in life that we can hide from everybody. No one can read our mind. So we can play the Christian game We can go to church and act like everything's fine, but right here can be a world of chaos, guilt, condemnation, and even perversion, even in the midst of Christian community. For my whole life, the thorn in my side has been my mind, and those of you that know me well are quite familiar with that. Nearly every major battle I have faced has dealt with thoughts, and me believing lies from satan what's that feedback lies that have tried to tell me that i'm not good enough is that me (laughs) hold on (laughs) wait it's the holy spirit Hello? Hello? Hey. Sorry, that was Jesus, so (laughs) give it up for Jesus. Sorry if you're watching over in China and Germany. Sorry about that. From our webcast. Goodness. Okay. Where was I? So Okay, so my battles, my biggest battles in life have been with my thought life. I remember at a young age, in elementary school, I think it was third grade, having some pretty disturbing thoughts. And they just wouldn't get out of my mind. And so I just went to my mom and just shared these thoughts. And I was like, what is going on? What do do I do with these? And she just tried to tell me, hey, you know what, just just don't think about them. And eventually they'll go away. And there was a little truth to that. But looking back, here's what really went down, is I, how in the world could I have, as a third grader, (laughs) had even begun to understand that I had an enemy that even at such a young age that was trying to pervert and twist and deceive my mind in ways that I couldn't even comprehend. I remember in middle school believing a lie for a couple of weeks that told me that I wasn't a Christian, that I was going to hell, and that even God himself couldn't save me. I remember for years believing the lie That because I wasn't married and that because I didn't have kids that I was a failure and that all of my friends that had kids and were married were looking at me as someone that was living a pointless, meaningless existence. When you entertain thoughts like that every day, month after month, and year after year, your mind is going to be a disaster. It's going to be a complete mess that needs to be rewired. It needs to be transformed by the power of Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about today. In this struggle, before we dive into this, I have received help from numerous counselors in St. Joseph and in Kansas City to help me battle my thought life and just believing lies from the enemy. I actually met with a counselor this past week, just a couple days ago, because I can sense my thoughts starting to drift in some certain areas where Satan knows I'm weak. And I wanted to stand my foot down and say, I'm not going to go down this road again and believe these thoughts that lead me to despair. And so I say all of that to you today so that you guys know that I am a work in progress. I do not have this figured out. I don't speak to you today from a posture of arrogance on this topic, but I speak as a broken man who has suffered tremendously with my thought life, and I know a lot of you guys are going through the same thing because I've had a lot of conversations with you. So today, I want to just address this head on and offer you guys some hope and remind you of the freedom that is available to us through Christ. So let's open up our Bibles to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. This should be page 1057, I believe, if you're using a pew Bible. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive... Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote this book of 2 Corinthians to Christians living in the ancient Greek city of Corinth. Paul's obviously using a lot of military language just in these short verses, just short three verses. He uses the words war, weapons, and fight. This is not a subject to be taken lightly, it's something that we need to take seriously. He says that any type of thinking or reasoning that sets itself up above the knowledge of Christ has to be demolished. It doesn't matter if it's Plato, Aristotle, Dr. Phil, Oprah, or whoever we turn to for spiritual advice. Anything that sets itself up against the truth of God has to be dealt with. And if you look at verse 5, he says that we as believers are to take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. And the Greek word for captive used there indicates to take as a prisoner. I love that. To take as a prisoner. To gain control over. Any thought that comes into our mind that is contrary to God's word must be taken as a prisoner. Paul doesn't put up with any thought that sets itself above Christ. He takes every thought captive. And some of you might be thinking, okay, Justin, that sounds cool in theory. But what, what does that mean? And what does that even look like? Well, I'm so glad you asked because I have a fantastic story that I think sheds light on this. This is a real-life story that actually happened. In one of my counseling sessions, talking about my thought life, I was told the story of a man who was planning to go hunting Uh, one afternoon with a friend his friend was scheduled uh, to come to his house and meet him and then they were going to go out to the forest or wilderness or I don't know wherever they hunt so expecting his friend he was trying to finish up some dishes he was in the other room and left his door unlocked and while he's kind of doing the dishes someone knocks on his door thinking it was his friend he said hey dude come on in just give me a minute I'll be right out so the door opens This guy starts doing his thing in his living room. He doesn't know. He thinks it's his friend. So he tidies up, dries his hands off, turns the corner, walks into his living room to find a vacuum salesman with a full blown out display of every vacuum and vacuum part imaginable. I mean, I don't even know how this dude got all this junk into his living room in a matter of a minute or two, but he thought, oh my gosh, dude, I just want to go hunting, like You've got to be kidding me. So he told the guy, hey, man, like, I'm really not interested in your vacuums. Thank you, but no thanks. The guy's like, oh, no, these are the best vacuums ever, man. These are better than anything you owned. Dude, like, I'm pretty confident in my vacuum. Like, it's, it's fine. I'm not, I'm not really interested. The dude was persistent and annoying, as you guys know, those salesmen are. He would not leave his house. It took him 45 minutes to get this dude out of his house. Forty-five minutes minutes because he was so persistent and nagging and annoying now rewind the story had that guy locked his front door and had he been sitting in his living room when the knock came when the doorbell rang he could have just cracked the door open and said not interested go away (laughs) thanks but no thanks that dude could have been off his property easily in a couple minutes he could have been gone in 60 seconds It wouldn't have taken very long. And I love this story, if you haven't made the connection yet, because it's a perfect example of how in our thought life, listen to this, in our thought life, the battle is often won on the threshold. The battle is often won on the threshold. When a thought pops into our mind that is contrary to the heart and character of God, We have the choice to dismiss it or we have the choice to entertain it. We have the choice to welcome it into the mind of our home. We have the choice to keep dwelling on it and allow it to bring in its junk and invite its buddies over and bring in its furniture and appliances and start building a home in our mind. When we give thoughts permission to stay in our minds that aren't true and they're there and we let them be there for months, and some of us even years, it is a battle to get them out, to rewire our mind, to let it be transformed. But if we can catch it on the threshold, it is so much easier to stand your ground. If you can immediately say, this is a lie, this is not true of what, of what God says is true of me or true of him, I'm not going to entertain this. You are not welcome into my home. And it's so important for us to remember that we have the power to do that. We have the power to reject thoughts that aren't in line with God's word because he has already won the battle for us. Just like the song that we sing a lot at Easter, if you're a believer, there is no scheme or weapon that has power over us. Satan's weapons and lies can't do anything to Christ and they can't touch us because he resides within us. Check out some of these passages that speak to what's true of who we are in Christ. If God is for us, who is against us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Go ahead and keep those up there for a minute. Think about your mind and the thoughts that you've allowed yourself to dwell on throughout your life. Think about the lies that Satan has told you that you're not good enough, that you're not loved enough. Maybe someone hurt you and you just keep replaying it. You can't get over it. Even if it's been dealt with, it just affects you every day. You can't function without thinking about it. It's just this part of who you are. Maybe if you're someone that's prone, you're wired to be arrogant. Lies that Satan feeds you that tells you how awesome you are and how you can do life apart from community. In the midst of that, in light of that, I want to hear from you guys. How do these truths resonate within you? When you think of the battles that you have had, that Satan has tried to feed you in your thought life, what do these verses stir in your heart? The floor is open. uh, yeah good yeah he says it's the most important thing is obviously submitting ourselves fully to christ and also being able being so rooted in god that we can detect those lies and block it out before it starts to make a home in our mind what else Sure, yeah, she's saying if you completely trust God with what he says is true, then you'll be able to detect and block, yeah, and not believe those lies. Yeah, sure, what else? Yes. Um, For me, um, it's a concept of understanding that I was bought with the blood of Jesus. And um, whenever I have thoughts go through my head um, that aren't paying for the space that's written in my head, I pray them out. Hmm. I immediately attack it because it's identified, you know, that it's wrong. Yeah. And it's God-conscious that God gives us His heart. Yeah. The mind will Yeah, that's good. He's saying his life has been bought by. That's I love that by the blood of Christ. Anything that tries to tell him otherwise, he doesn't put up with it. That's that's good. Does someone else have their hand raised? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. She's saying, if you didn't hear that, it's just, just a reminder that we are in a battle and that we do have an enemy. And it's, it's not just some joke or just made up believe cute little devil. Like he's for real trying to attack us, to destroy us. That's good. If you look at James 4 7, you can actually keep that up there just for like another minute, Andy. James 4, 7, just like she said, you really set me up well. We do have an enemy. That's that's exactly where I was going with this. The devil is real in this world, whether you want to believe it or not. And his mission is to destroy your life, and his mission is to bury you. And one of the biggest ways he tries to do that is through manipulating our minds, getting us to believe lies that are false, irrational, and not in line with God's truth. And he attacks each of us differently based on how we're wired. Check this out. Thomas Adams had this to say. I shared this a while back. Satan, like a fisher, baits his hook according to the appetite of the fish. Now, this is going to sound a little dark, but bear with me. Did you know that the enemy has been studying you since day one? He's kept an eye on you since the day you were born. He has examined you closely and he knows what makes you tick. He knows what triggers your anger. He knows exactly what puffs you up with pride. He knows what feeds into your insecurity and your low self-esteem. He knows the exact bait to feed you. If you're someone that tends to think pretty highly of yourself... He will use that to his full advantage and feed into that to puff that up even more to make you think that you really can do life apart from God and apart from Christian community. But here's the most important thing of James 4.7. It teaches us that we don't have to fall prey to the enemy. Resist the devil and what? So she, like, this, is, this is mind-blowing. Like, it would change our lives if we live this out. Resist the devil, and he will flee. I'm about to say one sentence that would radically change your life if you believed it, okay? Here it is. It's simple. You don't have to believe every thought that pops into your head. That would change most of your lives. You don't have to entertain every thought that crosses your mind throughout the day. Martin Luther is famous for saying we can't prevent a bird from flying over our head, but we can prevent it from building a nest right here, right? In our head, on our hair. Thousands of thoughts will come into our minds every day. We can't completely control that. But what we can control is what thoughts we allowed into the home of our mind, what thoughts we allow access to to start bringing in their junk and start bringing in their friends and start bringing in... They're lies, and it's taken me 30 years to figure that out. Just like you, I was born a sinful and broken man, and part of my brokenness is my mind, is having a broken mind. But I've learned through help from tons of friends and lots of prayer and tears that I don't have to believe those lies that lead me away from the grace and the love of God. And I've had talks with you, many of you, and you guys have proposed this question to me. So I just want to address it from the stage. I've had a lot of you ask me, how do I know if a thought is from God or from the enemy? Because Satan masquerades himself. What's that? In light, whatever it is. He, you know, he tries to deceive us and you know, per, you know, try to be like, hey... I'm God, blah, 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 this is me. And and people are like, I'm all confused and shaken up. Is this thought from God? And there's all this turmoil. And sometimes you guys know that I deal with this, so you approach me. Thankfully, he has given us a perfect description of what kind of thoughts we should think about. So open your Bibles up to Philippians 4, 8 through 9. It's page 1037. This is a very, very popular passage that I'm sure many of you know. And probably a lot of you haven't memorized. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. It doesn't get much clearer than that. As followers of Christ, the thoughts that we allow to fill our minds should be thoughts that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. And when we allow those thoughts control in our minds, God's peace will be with us because we're not in a state of chaos, a state of confusion, a state of despair, or a state of hopelessness. When we dwell on thoughts that remind us of God's incredible love, those are thoughts that are true. When we think about the needs of other people and how we could meet those needs, those are thoughts that are admirable. When we fill our minds with thoughts of gratitude, for the fact that we're breathing, and for all the other blessings that we don't deserve, those are thoughts that are praiseworthy and excellent. Here's the flip side. When we allow our mind to be filled with lustful thoughts, where we view and think about people in inappropriate, perverse ways, those are thoughts that aren't noble, thoughts that are not pure. When we allow ourselves to keep replaying conversations and things that have happened to us in our life, and we allowed that bitterness and anger to keep festering, and it just has this grip in our life, those are not thoughts that are excellent or noble. Allowing thoughts to build a home in your mind, this is a big one I know for a lot of you, that tell you that you are a failure, that you're not worthy to be loved, that God can't use you because of your past, those are thoughts that simply aren't true. I can show you hundreds of verses that talk about how valuable you are to God. And to others, and here's another way to test whether the thoughts you're thinking are in line with God's truth. Ask yourself this question: If you're not sure, what type of emotion do these thoughts rise up within you? What do these thoughts stir in your heart? And that question has changed my life because here's the answer. If the thoughts you're thinking don't fill you with hope and peace, then they are not of God. If the thoughts you're thinking don't fill you with hope and peace, then they are not of God. If your thoughts are leading you to confusion and turmoil and despair and hopelessness, those are not God thoughts. Those are lies from the enemy that he is so happy that you are entertaining because it's affecting your ability to receive love and give love to others. Our God is a God of peace and hope. Check these verses out. Romans 15, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is Philippians. We just read it. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You see, even if God asks us to do something really difficult, like forgive someone who's hurt us repeatedly, even if He asks us to do that and we try to fight against it in our mind, even in something difficult like that, there's still hope. There's still hope that that relationship can be restored, that we could reconcile with that person, and that somehow God could work a miracle. There's still hope, even when we're asked to do difficult things. If we are going to be people that want to honor God with our minds, with the thoughts that we think. then we have to fill our minds with the truth. And you guys know where I'm going with this. There's no greater truth than God's story laid out right here in this book. I know that is so simple. But man, it would change your lives. You want to think about things that are true, noble, excellent, praiseworthy, give your life to studying this book. Memorize it, devour it dedicate yourself to learning it and living it so that when those thoughts come that tell you that you're not good enough, those thoughts that puff you up with pride, those thoughts that tell you that you're a failure, you will have this memorized and you can combat the enemy immediately and say, that's a lie. You'll be able to detect it on the threshold where the battle is best won. And as we wrap up this morning, I want to give you guys a minute to do something. When you came in, you should have received a bulletin Go ahead and get that out. If you didn't get one, get out a piece of paper or get ready to maybe jot down a note in your phone. We hit on a lot of different things today. And so as you've been listening, I want you to write down some thoughts or some patterns of thinking that you need to let go of, that you have got to surrender to God. Write it down and let today be the day where you draw a line in the sand and say, I'm not believing this lie anymore. This repetitive, nagging thought that has gained control over my life, I'm done. I'm not believing this lie that I'm a failure, that I'm unworthy to be loved, that God can't use me. Maybe somebody has hurt you. And you just can't get over it. If it's been years and it just controls you. Maybe you're just obsessed with somebody. And you just just can't stop thinking about the situation or what they think of you. And it's just, they're an idol. You're just obsessed with it. And Satan has used that to just control your life. Let today be the day where you draw the line and say you're done. God, take this. I am done living this way. I want to honor you with my mind. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. We are no longer slaves to fear or insecurity or despair. Those verses say we have been rescued from the dominion of darkness and the victory is already ours because of Christ. So as we come to the communion table today, I want to give you guys a minute just to be still before God and write down what he's speaking to you. If there is a way of thinking that you, it's, you know it's time, you've got to let this thing go, it has too much power in your life, let today be the day on your journey to freedom of not believing the lies anymore. May we be a people, this is my desire, man, that love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. I'm going to pray for us, and then after a minute of silence, the ushers will dismiss you. You can come forward, take a piece of bread, and just dip it in the juice. There's also a gluten-free option as well if you need that. Let's pray together. God, you are so good. This is just a topic so close to my heart, God. It's so personal to me, and I have had so many conversations with people in my life that just have spent years just believing lies from Satan. God, God, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. We are sick of it, God. We do not have to believe lies that tell us that we're not lovable, that we're not valuable. Thoughts that come into our minds that just puff us up with pride, God. We want to be people that honor you with our thoughts. We want to be men and women who dwell on things that are true and noble and excellent and praiseworthy. God, forgive us for straying away from you, and for believing thoughts that would tell us anything other than that, God. Help us to live into your victory, God, and to realize that we don't have to believe Satan's manipulation or the ridiculous, irrational thoughts he tries to get us to believe every day, God. God, I pray that you would just be honored with this time as we just examine our hearts in your name.